evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Mahoning Drive-In Theater, the largest single-screen drive-in in the United States. We're certainly glad you could be with us this evening. And don't forget the concession stand is open with all kinds of great things to eat and drink. Mahoning Drive-In Radio, your old friend Virgil back once again for another exciting episode of the podcast. As you guys know, the only podcast dedicated to the love and revival of our beloved drive-in culture. Joined as always with my co-host extraordinaire and general manager at the Mahoning Drive-In, Mark. Say hello, Mark. Hello, I manage generally. (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, it's been quite a ride, man, and it has literally only been two months here at the Mahoning Drive-In Theater, and uh, the team works amazing. Mark, you have been absolutely amazing. The Patreon has really taken off, and uh, now that we're having our in-person screenings, it's uh, it's just glorious. The whole family's back together. So, can we tell a story? Can I break in and tell a story yeah. about this Patreon? It's uh, because it's a moment of great embarrassment, but I'm sure we'll all laugh about it in four or five years. <laughs> so the Patreon shows, uh, forgive forgive us if we talk a lot about these, uh, the highest level of Patreon is Simplex. And part of that, you get a free virtual uh, film screening once a month. And then the following week, we do it in person and the theater uh, when the theater, the months that the theater is open. So what we do is we try to put together a really fun pre-show of like trailers and shorts and clips and ads and weird things like that. And then a feature film all in 35, all from our personal holdings. And we, you may have heard if you've listened to all these podcasts sequentially, we've come into a lot of 35 millimeter in the last couple of months many, many features, many trailers and reels and reels of things. So we picked uh, a feature that uh, one of our members had donated to us, feature film, that uh, we hadn't screened. We've screened it before, but we hadn't screened that print. And then I went into the vault that we now have of all these uh, trailers and things. And this person, one of the collections we bought was from an older gentleman who passed away and he had been a film collector for years and he had a lot of film. And one of the reels, he had reels and reels and they were labeled titles. And in my mind, it would say titles, and then it would be all these movie titles. And I'm like, well, surely these aren't 20-minute reels of just the opening titles to movies. I mean, why would you have that? It must be he just called trailers titles for some reason, right? Wrong. So we <laughs> we and we don't really pre-screen this stuff because part of the idea is that these Patreon members share with us the joy of discovery. If something is good, bad, or ugly, what condition it's in, we're all sort of, they're getting first look at everything like we are. So... We played a reel of uh, space news. This person also had a lot of uh, old newsreels. And uh, Kate Drumbor, wife of Michael Drumbor, who's our new assistant projectionist, who's a huge aid in helping us build these shows together, build them up, you know, physically build them onto reels. Um, she said, we have space news. Let's run that because it thematically ties in with uh, the movie that we're running. And I was like, yeah, that's great. And it's an excuse to watch this stuff. And they're vintage newsreels about the space program back like in the early 60s. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Two minutes at a time. 20 minutes in a row of those was a bit of a slog. Although <laughs> if you're a space or NASA fan, it's fascinating. They're in great shape and it's vintage. This would have been shown in theaters. So 20 minutes was too much. We're like, okay, fine. But we've got those trailers coming up. And part of this recent haul we got were a bunch of early 70s, 35 millimeter commercials that were never meant to be shown on theater screens. They were meant for local TV stations to run or even network TV stations to run. So Mike pulled a few of those and one was an X-Lax commercial, which went over incredibly well because we're all very mature and a an animated like WC Fields 
Fritos commercial, which went over very well. And a so certain good. thing that you have to be there to know what it is, but it's the it's the the jewel in the crown of our pre-shows that we always run that played. And then we went into this reel that said titles on it. And the Universal Pictures logo comes up. And then it says a Robert Wise production. And I'm like, oh God, this this is the opening titles. And it came up the title, The Andromeda Strain. And everybody went, woo! And they started so cheering me like out. That's <laughs> our feature for tonight. And I sunk it low in my chair. And I'm like, no, no, that's actually not what we're running tonight. So it played in full, the full two or however many minutes of the opening titles until it said directed by Robert Wise. And then it cut and the Universal logo came up and it was the full opening credits for some other movie. It was 20 minutes of disappointment, basically, where yeah. one after another, people are like, well, here's the opening few minutes of a movie we're not going to see tonight. And eventually we got to the end. And and all of these movies are movies I would have watched and, and people would have probably enjoyed and sat through, including one called The Lost Man, this early 70s Sidney Poitier film I'd never heard of before. Looks like it might even be kind of hard to find. So we, <laughs> I actually went in and had Mike apologize at the end of that reel because we didn't know it wasn't trailers. Uh, and then we, were, we ran the feature and it was fine. But that's something I'll, I'm going to take a while to live down and I will endlessly try to make up to people that uh, you're not just going to see the opening crawl of uh, like six different movies. Over yeah. <laughs> I got to say, I think everything was made up with that X-Lex commercial, which just brought the freaking house down. It was it was amazing. Super fun, as always. And that's the fun of the Patreon screenings. You know, like like you said, uh, we're kind of uh, discovering this stuff together. And it's uh, it's always a ride, <laughs> uh, as as Gump would say, it's a box of chocolates at those shows. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, we're gonna jump in today with a little bit of a calendar preview and review. So things have been moving on amazingly here at the Mahoning Drive-In Theater. Uh, we're coming into the heart of the summer, which is of course July Fourth weekend and July traditionally August. And really through the end of the year is is the heart of the Mahoning season. So really excited to go over this stuff with you, Mark. And uh, we got a lot on the docket. What do we got? First up, first weekend in July. So in the past for a July 4th weekend, which technically you would call this this year, it's been an overall theme. We did the Rocky movies. We did the Karate Kid movies. We did Back to the Future series in the past. But this year, Harry, we Potter. Harry Potter, that was <laughs> crazy of us. That's, that's, a, that's a mini <laughs> podcast in and of its own. Oh, yes. That's how many movies was that? Eight. Eight movie. Was it really eight movies? It was eight. And none yeah, of them are under two hours. No, they were all epics. And yeah, we spread that out from Thursday through Sunday. And it was crazy. Boxes and cans of films we had in that projection booth. That was, was such a massive night. pile. I was calling it Mount Potter because it was so tall off the ground. insane. <laughs> So this year we're doing something different, something different each night. So Friday night starts off with I Want Candy. It is a John Candy double feature, and it is Uncle Buck and The Great Outdoors, arguably the two greatest John Candy starring features, although he, he yeah. made a lot more than that. This is one of many things where we would be thrilled if it did well enough to do another one and play different John Candy movies. But these seemed like the two brightest shining stars in his filmography. I saw Uncle Buck in the theater when it came out, and I loved it. And Great Outdoors, I wound up seeing on videotape when it was new. And I remember the tape we rented, it was still a new rental. And somebody had like the filthiest VCR before me because when I rented it, the tape was just all like the lines, you know, cascading, horizontal lines cascading. Yeah. Down the picture. I'm like, this movie's a week old. What did somebody yeah. do? 
but uh, so this may be the first time I see the great outdoors, you know, looking good. <laughs> yeah, I'm great outdoors was the, the biggie in my house. Always love for Uncle Buck, but great outdoors was uh, on repeat. And that's the one that I'm having the whole family come up for a 4th of July celebration on Friday. And uh, we are going to bask in that John Candy goodness. It's one that we've been wanting to do for a while. And I break a lot of events into categories, booking the film here, of, you know, what's going to work for families and what might not. And this is one that, honestly, I expect many, many a family out to take advantage. We're also doing the free overnight promo for kids. So uh, enticing them to come hang out on the lot with us, extend their stay. And for a holiday weekend like this, weather looking beautiful, who's not going to want to do that? So really excited for Friday. The overnight thing is interesting because it, it serves many purposes. One is it saves you money in, in, in lieu of getting a hotel if, if you can't afford that. And it helps make yeah. coming out more feasible financially for people. It also, even if you live relatively local, at this time of year, we can't start the movies until roughly nine o'clock. So that's a late night. And you might not want to try to drive home that late. But the added thing is, it's a really cool experience going to sleep at a drive-in and then waking up at a drive-in in the morning. I, I did yeah. it a couple times years ago for that reason, because it was a way to make something financially affordable to do, or I was going to be there multiple nights. And it's a really cool vibe. And, and with especially with the movies like The Great Outdoors, which is about, you know, camping and roughing it. Yeah. I mean, that, to me, a family doing that together would just be like this Perfect, added like right. 4D element to that, that show. Yeah. That's pretty much what our family's doing this Friday. So very excited. I'm very excited to have lots of love on that on the lot. Whenever we can do the good family double feature, it's just great. And we try to appease that audience as much as possible. Now, did you ever see, you might be a little too young, how did you first see The Great Outdoors? So Great Outdoors was a HBO, probably cable discovery. And I think I've said it on this podcast many a time. My mother took the recording off of cable to the next level. She literally recorded almost everything and cataloged by number so we had a book that you could go into alphabetized i had the same number thing. it was unbelievable to me and honestly i look back on that it's such a informative thing for my obsession and love for film and movies and i would load the tapes like i would put a movie or two or three other or a tv episode or a tv special or like an entertainment tonight report about something i liked or a music oh, video everything. or a tv commercial and i would yeah. have the, th the 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 log book that was cataloged with the time counter numbers because I had the VCR that broke it down to hours, minutes, seconds. Oh my God, come on. One of the VCRs I had, I think it was in Mitsubishi, it had a feature where you could punch in the numbers. So with those books I had, if I wanted to see something specific or rewound, you'd zero the counter, punch in the numbers and it would fast forward or rewind to that, stop and then hit play. It was great. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I asked the question because I, I, okay, here's something we need to talk about more often in general. For every event we have at the Mahoning Drive-In Theater in the height in Pennsylvania, we have a Facebook event page. And that's where you can say that you're going or you're interested or whatever. But we, I load those up with stuff. So if you are a fan of anything we're showing or curious about anything we're showing, multiple times between when we announce and when the show happens, I'm going to put the original trailer. I'm going to put rare clips. I'm going to put all kinds of stuff in there. And what I just put in for this I Want Candy show, which will still be there after the event, if you listen to this later, there was a music video that was spun off from the great outdoors. Dan Aykroyd resurrected his Elwood blues character and what did a hell? duet with Wilson Pickett on a cover of Wilson Pickett's Land of a Thousand Dances. I think it's under what? the end. The song I think is under the end credits of the great outdoors, but the music video is filmed. 
So it intercuts shots from the movie with Aykroyd as Elwood Blues acting and appearing in some little kid's bedroom and stuff. Yeah, and Wilson Pickett dressed up like like a Blues Brothers thing. It's called like the Elwood Blues Review or something like that. But it's on YouTube and it's also on our event page. But when I think of The Great Outdoors, I remember that because it got played a lot on MTV. They used to do that a lot back then was they would try, they would help advertise a movie by, you know, having a music video or having a hit song or something that they would weave a lot of clips in. So right. it's a it's an interesting little nugget about the great outdoors that probably a lot of people have forgotten about, especially if you weren't alive when it came out, you wouldn't have seen it. But uh, there is there is a copy on YouTube. Nuts. Uh, Saturday. So excited for Saturday. This is another one that people always ask when they see the documentary. What is on that uh, list on your wall? In the one scene where I was, was, I was looking freeze frame, but I tried to see how, yes. many, done, how many we still haven't done the booking board. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so making a dream come true with De Palma Rama. What do we got with that lineup, Mark? Not as many films as people wish we're playing in a night where we're playing two movies. Uh, we'll get three technically, but three, they don't three, know. Actually. <laughs> so, so we have Carrie which one of the highlights of my career at the Mahoning Drive-In Theater was standing behind Jess watching Carrie for the first time. Yeah. Um, followed by Blowout, which is a favorite of mine. I uh, Blowout, some, you know, it's kind of a remake of Blow Up, but I think Blowout's a lot better. And is. this uh, is the reason we're doing this event on a selfish level, I'll say it here. Honestly, it's we're making a lot of these top 10, top five, you know, movies uh, come true this year with Night of the Hunter. Uh, last month and then blow out this month. It's oh, it's a near perfect movie and got me into the idea of filmmaking and what true filmmaking is. It's it's a masterwork. It's a movie about movies. It's a political thriller. It's it's kind of scary and it's shot a lot of it, if not all of it, in Philadelphia. So it's got that kind of local aspect to it, too. Hell yes. And then the third film, we're not going to tell you. Nope. <laughs> we are going to come a secret third feature. We were just going to do two. Uh, usually exhumed almost always will do triple features, but that's that's more their bag than ours. But we're like, you know, we really want to show more than just two. And it's, you know, it's a holiday weekend. So let's throw a surprise third film in there, which we, we aren't going to tell you what it is. But we are going to yeah. let, let me say this much. OK, everybody on a, a lot of people are commenting this online. And, oh, I hope it's this. I hope it's that. Just to tip the hand a little. It's not going to be a title that is so big we wouldn't want to save it for a future De Palmarama, if you know what I mean. It's not going to be a title that we would be using to get people to come to a show. It's going to be a little bit more obscure, but to me, it's more of like a reward for the serious De Palma fans who might not be able to see this on a screen in another yes. way. So the secret, secret features fe generally are not going to be like an all-time blockbuster. Right. Secret features is meant to be the extension of a night or the extension to make an event that much bigger of an event and again, the theory behind it with this event specifically, it's literally 4th of July weekend Saturday. So overnights should be looking really good. And it gives those people a little more time to, uh, you know, hang out with us under the stars. So can never go wrong with that. The next night, making up for three films the previous night, it's just one movie. It's also it's a Sunday. It's a holiday weekend, but it's a Sunday. And Sundays we tend to do single features just because people can't always stay out as late. And it is M. Night Night. Or yes, finally. Night, night. Uh, M. Night Shalaman's The Sixth Sense, the one that started it all for him, the one that just exploded him into the stratosphere 
was such a, a shocker surprise ending and and blessed or cursed him with kind of have to have i always wonder does he always want to do the twist endings or, or does he feel like he <laughs> expected of him really uh, tough you know for looking at a a director's career too looking at this because the bar is so high it was way more than a movie you know it became something that everybody quoted that everybody knew at a certain point it became like intertwined with the culture and then to try to live up to that you know is very very hard there are being that uh m is a local boy went to temple philadelphia connection blah 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 shot uh, signs in bucks county you know it's one of those things he has a lot of fans in this area that root for him and a lot of people love a lot of his movies and our plan was to try to do it on a friday or a saturday and do a double feature or triple feature but this is the one to kind of give it a test and say hey if the fans are out there come out support the on the nose gem of m knight's belt and it also stars Bruce Willis, who has been, you know, more in the news a little bit lately because he announced that he's, uh, due to health reasons, retiring from acting. So it's yes. a anytime we can get Bruce up on the big screen, right? What was your experience with this movie? This was the big kind of spoiler movie where a lot of people spoiled it for other people. Did you go in fresh? Did you see it theatrically? Did you see it after? This was what? But this was like 99? 90, oh I want to say 99, 96. Yeah. I think that was before the internet was quite what it is now. And things weren't getting spoiled the way they do now, where people see advanced screenings or they post a thing on YouTube the next day or the trailers, you know, want to give just about everything away. So I went into this hearing that it was a good thriller. Like, I think I want to say I saw this within a week of when it came out. And uh, it was, yeah, I, I did not see any of it coming. And when the big reveal happens, it was like, whoa. And then it makes you replay the whole movie in your head. Or I guess it, maybe it does replay the movie a little bit at the end. But it's one of those movies that's, that is rewarded by another viewing because you can watch it knowing the secret of the film and you can see where it, it, it totally works all the way through, even if you know it you can see that they never really kind of broke the rules. So I remember being really good. I think I saw it once, maybe twice in the theater and then maybe once on video, but really not since, boy, yeah. probably not since 2000, like really not since it came out. I was in 10th grade and I was at this real turning point in my life where the theater thing was really going well. And the idea of looking forward into college and all that stuff, and I got to tell you, as much as Ben and Matt Damon's story was an influence with Goodwill Hunting and then the uh, Kevin Smith connection with the kind of do-it-yourself attitude, the fact that M. Night hit it when I was in 10th grade and became this kind of hometown hero planted the seed of Temple and planted the seed of film school, you know, and it's easy to look at his later career and kind of mock some of that work. But for a while there, he was a king. He was a god in the area, you know, and especially for young filmmakers like myself, he was an influence to a lot of people. And I'm sure launched a ton of ships with that film. And now is this a film that was this? We get this from Disney, do we not? Sixth Sense, we did get from the vaults. It's one that was on our eye and we actually requested another M. Night film, which you might think would go perfectly with this as a double feature, but blows my mind. There is not a print available, at least in the uh, the old Disney vaults. So uh, that's another reason why we decided to make this a single feature. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. 
The management of this drive-in theater is happy to announce you can enjoy your favorite form of movie entertainment regardless of rain. No longer will it be necessary to let rain spoil your fun. Now you can keep your windshield clear and dry with a drizzle guard. Simply attach it to your windshield, and in a jiffy, you're enjoying the movie without constantly running your windshield wipers. A drizzle guard will save you gasoline and wear and tear on your battery. After the show is over, all you do is take off your drizzle guard, roll it up, and it's ready to be used again, just like an umbrella. So next time it rains, don't sizzle in a drizzle. Get yourself a drizzle guard and enjoy the show. Drizzle guards are on sale now at the concession center. So after that, on Tunnel Vision Tuesday, Exhumed Films has these, in case you hadn't heard, Exhumed Films has been doing Tunnel Vision Tuesday with us for like two or three years now, where they play a single feature on a Tuesday night and they will have an extended trailer reel of trailers that complement the film. So it'll be same director, same actor, same genre, same era, something like that. And yeah. on Tuesday, July 5th, once you've recovered from the, the sound of, of the boom booms in the sky. It is Prince of Darkness from 1987. This is John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. This is a movie that came out in 87, really did not do very well. And in ensuing years has become a lot of per people's like favorite John Carpenter movie. It's like really popular now. And yeah. it's this strange tale of like the, the it's hard to describe. I can never get my head quite around what the plot is. It's these like paranormal researchers in this old church and, and there's there's the devil and and, and Jameson Parker and, and 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 Alice Cooper pops up. Alice Cooper as as like a, a possessed homeless person. It's a it's a it's a weird movie with like a really that's got that Carpenter score and a it's really an strong underrated Carpenter for sure. Strong sense of dread in that film. Oh yeah, when we did our Carpenter event, one of two of them, this was one that really shined for people. And also, what's the other one with Sam Neill? In the Mouth of Madness. And In the Mouth of Madness, man, people love that movie. And again, like when you're a fan of a director's work, you know, sometimes you dig deep into that catalog and find the one that speaks to you. And man, tickets are doing insanely well for Prince of Darkness right out the gate. But you expect that every time Carpenter comes around. We follow that. That Friday is the return of... Let me tell you, and, and you know, we don't say this about just everything because it's not true about just everything, but tickets have been flying for this event. This is Drive-In VHS Fest. Tickets to the end of the year. Yep. This is our sixth time out. And you know, in, it's in keeping with the overall theme, it's Drive-In VHS Fest 666. It's the show we do with uh, the gang from Lunch Meet and Saturn's Core Audio and Video. And it is a two-day celebration of VHS analog media and the video store basically and it's honestly our biggest event of the year we have like 40 vendors each day we have a couple bands play each day guests we have ginger lynn this year uh we're gonna have a couple directors coming out so it's really an all-out festival you know when we got into this and started offering the overnights doing the posters my mentality was thinking like man this is really like you know the music concerts that we go to and stay three nights you know and make a whole weekend of it and you're fully immersed in it and man this talk about a collision of culture um, it brings our love of retro media our generation of cable kids and video store kids all together for this like 
mashup love fest of the almighty slab that is VHS. And this lineup is just dumb, you know, like any one of these movies would be a treat, but we hit you over the head with eight films over two nights. And what I'm most excited for, usually one of my favorite events of the year, has merged with Saturday, bringing in the Found Footage Fest guys to host. And I know they are going to bring the heat. <laughs> what they're doing is they do a show that is satanic themed about that whole 80s satanic panic era. And what the, I, I believe what they're doing essentially is splitting that up over the course of Saturday night. So before each of our features, they'll come out and show some clips and talk about them. And, and they're hilarious, their commentary on the clips and the bizarre pieces of video they find over the years. And then they'll introduce the next film. Um, let me run down the movies for the weekend. Now, this is insane. And I have to say, some of this stuff has probably never been played on a movie screen before. A lot of these films were made for the home video market. Some of them were shot on video. So I have to imagine some of these are like the the, the big screen, certainly the oh, drive yeah. premiere. Furrow your brow along with me while I say these titles. Scream Dream from 1989, followed by Girlfriend from Hell 1989, followed by Satan's Storybook from 1989, and we end Friday night with, this is July 8th, with Mausoleum, 1983, which is a film we actually own a film print of. So there's discussions of whether we may actually be running a print of that movie. Everything else we always run off original VHS tapes. I think that's going to happen because the guys seem into it. The guys, as in Ross from Saturn's Core and Josh from Lunch Meat, are partners in crime on VHS for six years now. They're into it. I said to Mikey, Mike Drumbore, that it's going to be weird to have him come in at like 3 a.m. to run a movie. But, you know, if there's anybody dedicated to the love of 35 millimeter, it is Mike Drumbore. So I think, uh, yeah, it's really, really going to be a fun experience for those of you guys that last that long. <laughs> What's funny, too, is VHS Fest is the, is the weekend where our 35 millimeter projection booth gets almost no action. I think I think do, does Jeff usually run the intermission reels on 35 or are we did or are we steadily just digital booth up front for the whole show? He has in the past uh, ran a couple of intermission reels, but yeah, I think uh, that's going to be the idea this year. And it's again, a great opportunity to bring the VHS culture into what we do here, which is a huge crossover. Uh, if you're a lover of, retro classic media you know you're you're probably a fan of retro classic movies and what what we're doing here so and part of the aspect too it's not just the movies that we're screening it's it's the guests as you said and it's also vendors we have a lot of vendors coming the people have been asking to vend for the, at this show for months like long before i mean it's really since we opened for the season we've been getting messages and i'm not sure what number we top out at but i know it's going to be a very robust and it's not just videotapes it's videotapes records blu-rays dvds paperbacks uh sort of crafts t-shirts hot sauces yeah it's like all it's like a pop, yeah punk rock flea market or like a pop culture uh, Emporium, yeah. say. Saturday night on the July 9th, we have Vice Academy starring Ginger Lynn and, and our friend Linnea Quigley, actually, from yes. 1989, followed by Devil's Playground from 1989, then Ghoulies 2 from 1987, and we end the night with a very amazing film. If you've never seen it, oh boy, oh boy, Rock and Roll Nightmare from 1987. It is, is John Michael Thor, who looks basically like He-Man fronting a metal band in Canada, fighting the devil with the power of rock. 
<laughs> Hell yes. Talk about a reason to stay up late. And people were asking constantly, is Thor coming? Is Thor coming? Because it is the fourth feature of the night. You know, it's it's one of those things. We feel like we would be shortchanging to bring him all the way out and have to stay up until like, you know, 3 a.m. to watch his movie. <laughs> but it is. It's going to be an absolute blast. If you guys have not experienced it, get your butt here. And we don't say this very much, but yeah, super low ticket alert. There's a very high probability that this puppy uh, may sell out. So get your tickets online, like all these events at MahoningDIT.com. Sunday, for those who are, are still a vertical after uh, two days of that VHS madness, we have another 80s-centric movie, and this is the Mahoning Music Series presentation of Suburbia. Penelope Spheris' Suburbia from 1983, a tale of wayward youth and punks, and it stars a young flea, I have to say pre-Red Hot Chili Peppers, and oh, it was yeah. released and produced by uh, New World Pictures, Roger Corman's old company. It's actually a movie I've never seen. Really? People are so excited about this film, and it's one that, again, represents something bigger than the film itself. It's, it's about a culture, a mindset, very much like when we do these fan events, this is a great opportunity to do that. So I think we're gonna have a, a band play beforehand and try to lean into the love of the music uh, series of it all. And it's worth mentioning that Justin Savage is a holdover from the pandemic. So he reached out to us in 2020 when everybody was um, and was looking for a space to put on a show, had a connection with Prince, had a connection with the music scene. And I want to say the first thing that we did with him was rock and roll high school. I think so, yeah. And we got Clint Howard to do a uh, shout out before the movie. And it went really, really well. Like a great, great time. So whenever Justin's out, it's a fun time. And we're happy we could make it work this year with Savage Sunday. This drive-in theater is radioactive. Now you can hear tonight's show on your AM car radio. Turn your ignition key to the accessory position. This will not drain your car battery. Now turn on your radio and zero in on the following AM station. That Tuesday, Tunnel Vision Tuesday returns and Exhumed Films presents, that's July 12th, The Big Lebowski. Small, Holy. obscure film. I don't know if anybody will show up for it. Uh, yeah, has has a couple fans, I think. Talk about a top requested title. Holy Jesus, their love for the Coen brothers and specifically Big Lebowski. As Daryl, uh, one of our hardcore fans and volunteers here at the Mahoning says, it's not a movie, it's a lifestyle, bro. <laughs> now, if you've ever driven into the Mahoning Drive-In Theater through the ticket booth and noticed some bowling pins and a bowling ball for some reason near a bush, that is a holdover from the first time we ran the Big Lebowski. We had that set up so people could bowl. And I have a feeling it will probably be resurrected on that night. It's one of those one of those things where a prop gets left behind and becomes relevant every few years. It's like, why the hell do we have this? And then it's like, oh, no, wait, now it's perfect. Yeah, it's become a part of the place in a weird way. And that was so long ago. We did Big Lebowski, then Fear and Loathing. What a weird night. That was definitely before we were, were pulling in the nice crowds. <laughs> but it was an, an enthusiastic crowd, that is for sure. But yeah, Big Lebowski, again, selling incredibly well. Any of these titles that really jump out at you guys, don't hesitate uh, to snag your ticks. 
We follow that up on Thursday. We don't normally do shows on Thursday, but we reserve occasional Thursdays for community events or the Patreon shows or a fundraiser like this. This is the Polar Express on 35 millimeter, and it's a benefit for Dylan and Gavin's Rainbow. That is a local charity that is devoted. It was a husband and wife who unfortunately lost both of their teenage sons at a very young age, and uh, they've set up this this organization to help families who are in the same position with, you know, financial help and spiritual help and things like that. So that's a one night only show for the family. And it's sort of, I was sort of in the write up, I said, it's sort of a jump start to our Christmas in July, which we're doing a bit later, but it's a nice, it's a Thursday night. It's a single feature and it's this Robert Zemeckis, Tom Hanks, you know, family classic that hasn't really been seen on the big screen very widely, I think, since it came out. It's weird with these Christmas movies, you know, like I feel like every couple of years there's a push. You know what? It probably is every single year, but it's only on my radar every couple of years. This push for the Christmas, the new Christmas classic. And it's never the ones that you expect that rise to the top. But this is one that really has uh, stood the test. When we were doing retro screenings in the big indoor, when I was running the indoor theaters, this was certainly around as much as Elf was on the Christmas season. So excited to do it. And and like you said, excited to support a local, have a local benefit. Uh, speaking of family entertainment, we followed it up with three days of Tromathon 2022. Tromathon 2021 was one of the strangest nights we've ever had at the Mahoning Drive-In Theater. Yes. <laughs> and Holy I'm sure Lord. 2022 will be no different. It is, uh, it is three days celebrating Lloyd Kaufman and the empire that he has built with Troma Films. Friday, we have three Troma classics. We have Tromeo and Juliet from 1996. We have Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD from 1990. And then Troma's War. And uh, Lloyd Kaufman, president of Troma, the Toxic Avenger, and Sarah will be there. And I think Kabuki Man will be there all weekend signing autographs, taking photos for free. And we'll have some traumatic set pieces. The Tromaville sign, I believe, will come make an appearance once again. And uh, JT has been doing some amazing hard work and promo on this show, creating some videos. He had a video shoot. Was it wrestling weekend we did the video shoot? I think it was. I think I was fresh from being a wrestling stooge. And then I walked over and appeared in the background of this really bizarre moment in this trauma promo video. Yeah, they were here shooting a couple days ago and there's a like a cat a guy in a full cow costume and a guy with a dolphin head. It's it's just madness. And it's expected every single year that trauma comes to town, we know that things are going to get a little weird. So um, it's a perfect home for them to come and uh, let their, their kind of freak flag fly here. And then Saturday night, Toxy Night! Saturday, July 16th, Toxic Avenger triple feature. You got your Toxic Avengers from 84, you got your Toxic Avenger Part 2 from 89, and you got your Toxic Avenger Part 3, also from 1989. And the Toxic Avenger will be with us in person. Now, do we say who the Toxic Avenger is at our, at our theater, or do we go with the illusion that it's really the Toxic Avenger? Would you say who the mall Santa Claus is? <laughs> the actual Toxic Avenger will be with us that weekend. We'll leave signing autographs straight off the screen. It's incredible. I can't believe you found the time to come. Working the mop. It's uh, one of my favorite visuals that is like burned into my brain is when we had the bands playing uh, last year. Toxie was getting down the dance moves that Toxie's got. 
it's something else. And I'll tell you what, that probably the tights are worth the price of a dish. So get your butt on down here. Uh, support the Mahoning Drive-In Theater. Support Troma, who's been doing it now for so long. Such a staple. Talk about a VHS staple. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's like that would be a, a, really a perfect crossover, actually. Uh, Sunday night also. Sunday, July 17th is the 22nd annual Troma Dance Film Festival. These are all fan-submitted films, filmmaker-submitted films to Troma. They've picked the films, and it's a night full of those. It's It's short films. It's feature films. And then I neglected to mention all three days, there will be live bands all day or between when we open and when showtimes. Um, yeah. And if you would like to support the local filmmakers, come out and see some shorts, some features. Sunday is going to be a really, really fun night. So stay the long haul with us. It's going to be really fun. Following the trauma trauma on July 19th, Exhumed Films comes back with Tuttle Vision Tuesday, First Blood. This is yeah. a really good movie. It's so good. It's different from what would follow it. People think of, of the Rambo character. They think him shirtless with the machine gun in his hand. This is a much more, dare I say, a much more intelligent, serious movie than what would follow. And it's really good. Like if you only know Rambo from the second, third and, and movies and beyond, you really should see First Blood. And the chance to see that on 35 on the big screen on that Tuesday, that's a Tuesday I'm definitely coming down for. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's essential, you know, and that's uh, as we're going through this calendar, every single Tuesday in July is just stacked. So there's no doubt that Tunnel Vision Tuesdays has been growing over the years. And this is the reason why, because it gives our local audience or those who are traveling through on the week a crazy option, a once in a lifetime option sometimes to come out and enjoy 35 millimeter. And that's what we said about Dolomite. That's what we say about it every single week. It, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because it never occurred to me until you said it, but we are located uh, technically in the Poconos. We're in a vacation area and there are people who, who are on vacation during the week who are in Jim Thorpe for the week or who are coming to a concert or who knows what, boating, going to the state park. I, The number of times I've traveled and wished I could go to a drive-in or a certain theater or something and it's just not open when I'm there. This actually does give people something to do midweek who might be on vacation. You know, hey, look, there's this drive-in showing first blood. Uh, I'd like to think we get a little of the vacationers, the vacationer. Heck yes. And in a weird way, we've become that vacation for some people where they're like, oh, well, I know what I'm using my sick day for. <laughs> That's what I've said about some shows. Somebody's like, oh, it's on a Sunday. And I'm like, my advice is start coughing at work the previous Monday. Worth the sick day. Yeah. Now, it's really nice because it's bite sized. And now that we are going to be moving past and into August, the, the clock just keeps clicking back, which is nice. The and start I want to say, Jeff has said it before, he, there's a start time that he freezes at, that we don't go any earlier than that. And I can't remember if it's 7 or 7.30. It's 7.30, I, I want to say. Because, yeah, toward the end of the year, you know, it's dark by 7. Right. And his his rationale was always, if, if people are local, he wants them to be able to get have time to get home from work, maybe have dinner and then come out, which I think is really... Uh, respectful toward the customer but yeah once you get there you these movies are done by nine or ten o'clock at night on a on a weeknight uh we follow that with the actual christmas in july that weekend friday july 22nd and saturday july 23rd and uh we're not we're not beating around the bush this time it's a christmas story and white christmas both on 35 Talk about like stone cold christmas season classics and again, in a selfish move, when we did our review right around Christmas time for the podcast, 
uh, Jeff and I were going on and on about how much we loved White Christmas and how much it's a, a staple of the holiday season for us and really the start of the holiday season for me. So the idea of playing White Christmas on 35 millimeter is a dream come true. And to start it off with uh, such a family essential with a Christmas story, talk about a movie that everybody on the freaking planet knows. <laughs> I've seen White Christmas on the big screen within the last, let's say, 10 years on film. And the print that I saw was gorgeous. Originally, it was a Technicolor film. So that should look beautiful on the big screen. We've run Christmas Story, and that looks great. Added elements. So Christmas in July, we always, you know, we decorate the snack bar to a degree, Christmassy. We always encourage people to wear their Christmas sweaters and decorate their car, you know, their parking spot, you know, turn it into a little Christmas. And Mr. John Demmer, who we've talked about before, the master carpenter who helped create the the Evil Dead cabin that has been turned into so many other things and so many photo ops his work has been on display with. He is a mega, he and his family are mega Christmas story fans. Like he has tracked down exact replicas of most of what you see in Ralphie's house, down to the radio, down to that silver thing on top of the radio, all of that, down to the clothes they wear in the movie. He is going to bring a good portion of that out to our theater, and you're going to be able to see a really impressive Christmas story photo op that I can, he posted some photos today or yesterday that he wants everybody to share so they know, but that's going to be amazing. One added element to that is that somebody from the movie, A Christmas Story, will be joining us in person. Yes, we don't want to forget that. Yeah, we are so blessed with these events and the fandom that comes out, the experience that we can give people, but talk about once in a lifetime. We got Farkas himself coming out, Zach Ward, coonskin hat and all coming out to, uh, yeah, terrorize the lot. It's going to be absolutely amazing. And we know that people are excited to come and get their photos with him. The number of years, and I mean, I saw that, I saw, we talked about this in the other podcast, but I saw a Christmas story opening weekend when it came out and loved it and then watched it endlessly on cable. And then, you know, years later, it became what it is now. I've seen it a million times. I never get sick of it. I love it. The fact that his name is Scut, S-C-U-T. <laughs> I thought it was Scott. It wasn't until just a few years ago that maybe I read the name somewhere and I'm like, Scut? So <laughs> What a bully name. So good. It's it's perfect. And if you've never heard the original, you can find him on YouTube. Gene Shepard, whose, whose stories, uh, a Christmas story is based on, he used to do these radio broadcasts where he would tell a lot of these stories. And there is one that is more or less the core Red Rider story from a Christmas story. So he's the guy who narrates the movie. And uh, I highly recommend look, looking that up because he's a, he's a wonderful storyteller. And uh, I, I just can't wait. I mean, again, I've seen it a million times. I'm going to be thrilled to see it again on our big screen. Yeah, it's really exciting. And uh, again, we are doing the free overnight promo for children to try to get as many families as possible to come out and make this a really fun, affordable getaway. That Sunday, this is July 24th, uh, a special event, single feature as Sundays often are, Back to the Woods, The Blair Witch Project. This is- What was that noise? Did you hear that? Gosh! <laughs> oh, God! Man, talk about a movie that so worked on me. Perfect timing. I was so, so in for this and fell hook, line, and sinker, thinking like, man, this is real footage. This is uh, 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 something we need to do something about. <laughs> it was so well done. 
Like I loathe found footage films. I hate them. And and but this one was done well. Maybe it was because it was the first and I hadn't gotten sick of the the isms of it. Yeah. But I went to see this at a art house theater in Boston when this was in super limited release. And the the marketing was really good. The marketing really made you think this was real, that this was literally footage that was found. And uh, it was my friend and I, and then a woman older than us sat next to us. And when the movie was over, she turned to us and she said, was that real? Like she totally thought it was real. She was in, yeah. The talk about a, a stroke of marketing genius. Like that's really what I respected about that film and still respect about that film. Talk about a way to get an audience to a theater and get people excited, you know, is, you know, to literally pull a magic trick on them. It was great. So yeah, going into this event, it's one that we've been wanting to do for a while, have had issues locating a print, finally found a great 35 millimeter print. And we are so lucky enough to have uh, the connection with Matt Belazzi this year. He wrote a book uh, called Eight Days in the Woods, The Making of the Blair Witch Project. He does these Blair Witch location tours. He has interviewed uh, at conventions and screenings the, the cast of the Blair Witch endlessly. So it's, it, and he, it, I believe what he calls his entity the Blair Witch Experience. So he, he is put, putting on this show with us. And we are going to have him out uh, selling and signing books. And uh, we're going to have sort of like a, a Blair Witch reunion on screen, if I'm correct. Yeah, we're going to he's going to host a Q&A, a virtual Q&A and bring some cast and crew in, feed us with some inside stories some dirt. And, uh, you know, if anybody can deliver that on a fan level, it's Matt. When people have said watching the Blair Witch Project at a rural drive in, which we are at night, you look up and all you see is stars and you look around and all you see is trees and hear frogs and peepers and animals. I think that's going to be a pretty immersive way to watch this movie, especially if you decide to stay over with the overnight pass and maybe maybe sleep in a tent after that. Now, we're not saying we're going to go around and, and, and rustle tents or anything, but I think what you've got in your brain after watching that movie is going to be all the help you need to not get a good night's sleep. Yeah, we'll leave it up to uh, to, to the fans to stack rocks and hang uh, things from the trees. <laughs> stand in a corner. Oh, it's so good. You know, like I said, we really do add an element of the grindhouse when we can deliver these immersive events. It really does like dare you not to come um, and experience the madness that's happening in this perfect enclosed kind of dome like setting of the Mahoning Drive-In. Just like the reason Camp Blood works every single year watching slashers in the woods. It's it's kind of perfect. Tunnel Vision Tuesday after that. We're almost done with the month, folks. Tunnel Vision Tuesday on July 26, Exhumed Films. Again, going with these obscure titles. I don't know if anybody will show up. Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Bring in the heat, yo. Getting to the end of the month, but bring in the heat. It never ends, dude. It's crazy. I saw this movie in the theater when it came out, opening weekend with my father. I didn't know much about Star Trek at the time. I was a Star Wars kid. And uh, it had the word star in it. It was about space. So there's my interest. I think I'd maybe seen a little bit of Star Trek and reruns on TV, but I remember really liking it and it being kind of scary, like where they put like the worm in Chekhov's ear and stuff like that. It was it was a creepy yeah. movie and just super dramatic. This movie is like a great sci fi movie. It's a great kind of like space action movie. Uh, Ricardo Montalban, again, super dynamic as Khan. Said. It, it is <laughs> so good. Our, everybody. People still think this is the best Star Trek movie, and we've we've had many entries since this one. So I'm I'm sure this is going to be a total blast on the big screen with everybody. 
people beg us to bring they see the poster on the wall and then they beg us to bring back star trek weekend they're like please i missed it you know and uh yeah this is a little bite size entry into the the series so hopefully you guys can come out let your fandom fly and set phasers for fun there it is baby home run there you go <laughs> and that that weekend uh, exhumed films comes back with one of my favorite events of every year this is shakarama yeah talk about an overload to your senses if you are a fan of a certain genre a certain era of film this is just like oh my goodness overload to the senses uh hit them with this insane lineup now this is what people when people think of drive-in movies in quotes this weekend is what they're talking about Friday, July 29th is Weird Aliens. It's The Creeping Unknown from 1955. This was uh, the first of the Quatermass movies from uh, Hammer Films. It, The Terror from Beyond Space from 1958, which was, some say, the inspiration for Alien. Man from Planet X from 1951. And we wrap the evening with the insanely kitschy Frankenstein meets the space monster from 1965. Come on. That's a weekend right there. No, that's on the night. That's like the greatest programming ever on like late night television. You Isn't know it? what I mean? It's crazy. Predominantly, these are movies that no other theater would show because they, they've sort of become sort of obscure. They are perfect drive-in movies. They're a total blast. They're all relatively short, so the night moves right along. And uh, th this is the stuff I grew up with when I was a kid, Channel 56 in Boston, Creature Double Feature. This is what they would run every Saturday afternoon you know, in pairs. So I love this stuff. And I never thought I would ever have the chance to see these in a theater, let alone on like original film prints. I'm so glad this, that weekend became such a hit. You know, when we first started doing the retro programming, we tested a lot of stuff out, you know, and Schlock was right out the gate, a magnet for cool, you know? Uh, it really plays into what we represent um, as far as the drive-in culture and the programming with what we bring. People look forward to it every year. And they're totally family-friendly. That's the thing, too. Most of our horror shows really aren't. I mean, people bring fam kids anyway, and we've talked about that in the past, being introduced to, like, R-rated or horror films at a young age. But this is one that these movies are they're made before ratings, but they also, they're just totally squeaky clean. I mean, they're filled with monsters and murder, but they're, they're not, you know, they're, they're old-time fun movies. Uh, Saturday, July 30th, Strange Sea Beast. It kicks off with one that I think a lot of people will be coming just for this. Godzilla 1985. This was <laughs> the film that said it brought Godzilla back after being away for a couple of years. It was the film that said, okay, all that exists is Godzilla for the original Godzilla movie, and this is the sequel. And it brought Godzilla back as a villain. And it brought, this version was made for the American market. It also brought back Raymond Burr to be that inserted character to help look out a window and explain what's going on uh, like he did in the original Godzilla film. So I remember this being coming out in 85. It was promoted heavily. There were all these tie-ins with like Dr. Pepper and stuff at the time, but I never saw it in the theater. I didn't see it until it hit video. Um, and this was released by New World Pictures, I think a couple of years after Roger Corman gave up New World. So this was the New World that did things like Vamp and the Elvira movie and all that stuff. But uh, anytime we show Godzilla on the big screen, it's a hit. People cannot get enough of the big G almost life-size on our screen so let's pause for a second are you telling me that there's a dr pepper godzilla commercial does he chug the pep it's not okay this is another thing I've, as i said earlier 
look at our event pages because if something like this exists, I've probably already put it on there or I've scheduled it to appear. <laughs> if there's some weird shit out there, I'm gonna find it. <laughs> there were Dr. Pepper commercials that had like two Godzilla-like characters, but I almost want to say there was one maybe utilizing clips from the movie. I could be wrong. It might just be that they were they were very Godzilla-like, but I'm pretty sure it was right around the time of this film. So in. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a total blast. After that, we have The Monster That Challenged the World, which is a lot of fun. Then we have It Came From Beneath the Sea, which I believe is based on a Ray Bradbury story. And then one I've never seen, it's an incredibly rare film. And this is the, the strength of the Exhumed Films archive, is they have film prints of movies that in some cases have never been released on home video. Beast of Paradise Isle, also known as Port Sinister from 1953. This is like a giant crab monster movie. Yeah, I'm so excited. This is one that it feels like a film school sometimes, you know, like you're taking a step back in time when you come onto the lot. But once those movies hit, you know, especially with the pre-show trailers and intermission reels, it's like you're you're literally going back to a certain drive-in era. And uh, like you said, Harry does an amazing job with programming that one. And he, he seems to want to program for me on occasion because Sunday, July 31st is Super Stooges Sunday. <laughs> Finally! Stooges fan. You know, all everything I love goes way back to what I saw on like these two Boston TV channels when I was a kid. They were independent channels and they ran old TV and old movies all the time. Have Rocket Will Travel from 1959, which was like the Three Stooges comeback feature. Like they had done the Columbia shorts for years and then uh, the, they the shorts department closed. I mean, and you say it really was only a couple of years between when they did their last short and when they made the feature, but they were basically unemployed and then their shorts were released to TV and a whole new generation got into them and they were bigger than ever. And then they started making these feature films. So Have Rocket, Will Travel was the first where they kind of go into space and, and there's they sing and it's, it's wacky. And it's followed by similarly themed Three Stooges in Orbit from 1962. What's also cool about this is originally this had a short film attached to it, uh, like a featurette or short subject called The Three Stooges Scrapbook, which was originally intended to be a color TV series with The Three Stooges, uh, cartoons and live action, which ultimately they did do a couple years later. They called it The New Three Stooges, where you had these new color skits that would introduce color cartoons that they did the voices for. Well, this Three Stooges Scrapbook was a cut down version of that that appeared theatrically back in 62. This print of the Three Stooges in Orbit has that. So this Three Stooges scrapbook, I don't think it's ever been released legitimately on video. So this is a rare opportunity to see this on the big screen as it was originally intended. Yeah, if you're a Stooges fan, talk about a dream come true. And people uh, have come to us many times and said, man, you got to do a Stooges night, you got to do a Stooges weekend. This is happening, guys. So uh, really excited and talk about a Stooges fan. Some of Jeff's most coveted prints are his Three Stooges. So uh, really, really going to be a fun night for all of us. Now that ends the month, but I would love to hit some highlights of some other things we've just announced if we can. Holy heck, yes. There's so much stuff coming. I'm just going to toss this one out there. I'm really excited about it. On the 12th of August, our AGFA triple feature. For those of you guys that don't know, and if you're a listener of the podcast, it would be pretty hard not to. AGFA giants in the preservation world and uh, have been supplying us with our off-season and now on-season virtual screening titles. And this is 
like a grindhouse dream come true for anybody. So uh, any one of these titles would be nuts, but we're going to do Double Agent 73 with the one and only Chesty Morgan. Uh, the Gate 2, which we've screened in the past, it's like one of those movies people are shocked to hear exists. So if you're a fan of The Gate, come on out and experience The Gate 2. It continues. And then Penitentiary 3, which is one of the most insane movies on the planet. So come on out, witness that. As always, a great option is those overnighters. Mark, I know one you're really excited for in August. Oh, may I? Hit the people, man. This thing has been this thing has been blowing up. It's beautiful. I'm only going to combine talking about this to the next 30 minutes because literally because the podcast we're going to record tomorrow from this date is going to be all about this. I was given the ability to, to, to sort of organize a show here. They said, okay, do it. So I did. This is Mahoning Monkey Mania. This is this is the monkeys now. And it is two really rare 35 millimeter episodes of the monkeys show from the 1973 ABC reruns. They have the original commercials in them. So you've got Saturday morning like breakfast cereal and toy commercials and promos for TV shows. And you've got, uh, in some cases, music replacements as this the episodes were rerun later and later, they would put in songs that were on whatever the current album was. So that's kind of very unique. Why are these even on 35 millimeter? They've only ever been shown on the big screen once or twice at very special events. They've never been shown at a drive-in before. So we're doing two of those, and then we're doing the Monkey's feature film Head on 35 millimeter also an incredibly rare screening. And I'm trying to make this the best fan event I can. I've got people from the, the monkey verse, people who are related to them doing uh, video intros, donating items for an all monkeys merch raffle. We're gonna have somebody, uh, one or more vendors selling monkey related items and, and vintage merchandise. We're going to have two authors who have written monkey books. We have uh, Tom Shabilla, who we'll be talking to tomorrow, who we had uh, come out for our Batman 66 show. He has a book called Primetime 66, 67 about all the shows that debuted that year, the monkeys being one of them. And then we also have author Michael Ventrella, who actually only lives like an hour from the theater in Stroudsburg, coming out and selling and signing copies of his two books, Looking for the Good Times, which is a song by song, look at the monkeys music and headquartered, which is about their solo years. And he'll be doing uh, like an on mic intro for the night. So I didn't, I'm trying to make this like a big fan gathering because if it does well enough, let me just say, uh, I have access to more different episodes that we could run on that big screen. So I'm thrilled about it. I've been a huge fan since I was a kid, and we're just hoping to get people to come out from all over the place and just have a fun celebration of the Prefab Four on the big screen. And uh, we have our friend Mike Evans doing a live DJ set playing Monkey's hits and deep cuts. And it's just going to be like, it's, it's going to be like a little, little convention. It's There is nobody better to be heading this than you, Mark, because... <laughs> You really are a monkey super fan. And my love for the monkeys runs deep. I've said it on the podcast before. It's the very first tape that I bought with my own money was Chuck Berry and the best of the monkeys. And it's just, just like you can say, the big Lebowski is a lifestyle. The monkeys is a mood, you know what I mean? And it just is one of those uh, shows and one of those bands and one of those eras really that you can hearken back to and it just brings a big old smile if you're a fan. And the, obviously the work of all four of those gentlemen um, is legendary, you know? It's just, um, it's fun music. The show is very sharp and really funny. And Head is this other thing that is weird and brilliant yeah. and just, it's it's kind of shocking if all you know is the show and then you watch Head and you're like, what is this? Head should bring out the Mahoning crowd. You I, know, I, like, that's the thing too is Head will could 
appeal to people who don't even like the band, but they really like this this bizarre, strong, strong cult title. So I, I'm, yeah. I, I hope it'll do well because uh, I want to be able to do it again. Totally. And we got to mention, again, one of our biggest events of the year, Camp Blood Returns for Part 8. The slashing never ends. And we have a four-day event this year. Um, on Thursday, we're doing a special pre-show screening of The Mutilator with a nice uh, cast reunion in Bill Ralph Hitchcock, Matt Ed Jr. Mittler, and Ruth Pam Martinez. People are super psyched because the last time we played The Mutilator, we had the director here, Buddy Cooper. Buddy Cooper. Buddy Cooper. Yep, yep we had Buddy Cooper here. And, and he had he copies was, of the, the theme song to the movie, which is this weird incongruous, right. very catchy theme song called Fall Break, back when the movie was going to be Fall called Break. Fall Break. And he was selling these vintage, like early 80s, uh, 45 singles with the picture sleeves. And he had the, the, the biggest line. It was great. He was also selling original one-sheet posters, which was right. nuts at a really good price. And that night he signed a ton of them. And a lot of people have been saying, I'm really excited to come and get more autographs on that Killer Mutilator poster. So um, it's, this started as a Friday the 13th ode, Camp Blood. Uh, so Friday night, we're leading with Friday the 13th Part 3, special guest Larry Shelley Zerner, which we're super excited to welcome to the Mahoning family. Second feature, Graduation Day. Third feature, Blood Rage. Ugh. Like, making dreams come true. Saturday night, talk about a special screening. Children of the Corn fans, pay attention, because we are having a cast reunion as well. John Franklin, Courtney Gaines, John Philbin, and director Fritz Kirsch. That is going to be madness. That movie freaked my world out as a kid. It's, uh, and we just discovered part of this, one of a recent film haul we got. We have an original one sheet of Children of the Corn in there. I might want to point out that uh, the Mahoning is located across the street from a cornfield. So there's that too. Perfect crossover. Second feature, Alice Sweet Alice. Third feature, Night Warning. If that's not enough, man, wet your beak with Sunday's lineup. Dress to Kill by Brian De Palma. New Year's Evil and Blood Games. All we can say is the secret feature is not Dress to Kill. <laughs> <laughs> Why aren't you showing Dress to Kill the Palmarama? That's why. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, those are some biggies that just came out, just got announced. A uh, ton more to come. We're working on like really, really big guest shows. So do not hesitate, guys. Again, Mahoning DIT. Check us out on the socials. Follow us if you're into this type of thing, because it's it really is a bombardment of retro classic fun. As you leave the theater, folks, please be careful. Don't let this happen to your car. Be sure to remove the speaker before you leave. If you should accidentally pull a speaker loose, please turn it in at our snack bar or box office. Thank you. I think this was such a great time. I love doing the podcast with you, Mark. Every single week, it gives us a little bit of a breather from the, uh, the madness on the lot to be able to just get together, put out the info to the fans, and talk about what we're doing. And uh, you guys have a lot to look forward to, lots of interviews, things like that. I personally just listened to the Rico's interview on the way up. God, I love that interview. We really have to get on getting that Rico's truck here. You think he's into Universal Monsters? Maybe. 
whatever show that we can get the Rico's truck here for, I am all about it. Heck yeah. All right, Mark. Thank you as always. And on that note, Jeff, take it away, my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for coming out tonight to the Mahoning Drive-In Theater. We hope you'll come back and see us again real soon. The exit is on the right-hand side of the screen at the front of the field. And most importantly, have a very safe trip home. Good night and God bless you.